0: Hi everybody, Pete Sardis here for The Laura. You Know. We are back talking about the Elizabeth Holmes trial, Theranos, week eight. It was a short week this week, only three days of trial, but it was hugely impactful, and we're gonna talk about those details. We also have an update on another jury debacle, and we'll talk about that towards the end of this segment. Again, if you're enjoying this video, give me a thumbs up. If you like this series generally, hit subscribe. And again, always leave me questions and comments down below so I know what you're interested in, so I can kind of tailor these things to your desires. All right, with that, I've been told that my hand gestures are a little distracting, so I'm gonna do my best to tone those down for you. But let's talk about what actually happened this week. First big witness is a guy by the name of Daniel Edlin. So Daniel Edlin was a project manager for Theranos for about five years. He testified that he was basically a good friend of Elizabeth Holmes' brother Christian, and that's how he got the job. He said in his testimony that he was a little concerned when he was setting up demonstrations for VIPs, investors, you know, who, you know big wigs coming in and take a look at the company, because there were things that were occurring that he didn't understand why. For example, he indicated that when they were testing the Theranos machine in front of VIPs or, or in potential investors, they would sometimes run a demo app, which didn't actually test anything or they would run something called a null protocol, which apparently means that the Edison machine would be loaded up with the blood sample, it would run its course, but it would not actually test anything before it gave a result. He also testified that there was some email traffic back and forth that the results of those demo trials were tweaked before they were given back to the people whose blood they had tested. Furthermore, to make it a little bit more impactful as to why this is a big deal. Apparently, a number of the executives from Walgreens, which as you know, was the big investor for Theranos who wanted to put the Edison machine into a thousand of their stores, they were part of the group of executives who were tested under this null protocol or the um, the demo app, at which point they didn't actually receive the results that were coming out of the Edison machine, they got the results that were tweaked by Theranos after the fact, which again is obviously trying to show that there was some manipulation happening in order to get the Walgreens folks to come on board with Theranos. Another thing that Edlin testified to that was odd, uh, he said that during tours uh, of the facility, he was asked to either block portions of the laboratory off or put screens up so that uh, people couldn't actually see some of the things that were happening. You know, I don't know how how damning this is because I can understand if you have sensitive information or you don't have people that have already signed on, you'd wanna not show them certain proprietary things or the way the process is working in the lab, but the other side of the coin is you want these people to invest. Why wouldn't you show them the things that are actually going on in the lab? So not I don't have a lot of details on what happened in that regard specifically, but I know at this point that there was an, a good bit of testimony about why uh, portions of the lab were blocked off for VIPs. Cross-examination was a little bit different. Frankly, I think the testimony started off really hot, but cross-examination cooled it uh, or tempered the the testimony a bit. Defense counsel, I think did a great job, came out and asked uh, Mr. Edlin point blank, were these demo apps designed to deceive anybody? His response was, of course not, that their intention was not to deceive anybody. Um, and he also admitted that a lot of the demo apps were run for people that didn't actually want to get the, uh, the finger prick and have their blood drawn. It was just a way to show them to demonstrate how the technology worked. Now, on redirect, the government came back up there and asked a couple of questions that I think were in, in tune to rehabilitate his testimony, but I think they kind of fell flat. Specifically, um, they asked him why, what was, what was the purpose of doing these demonstrations? Mr. Edlin's response to, show the technology performed well and then they asked him was there an intent to hide errors by using the the demo app and his response was I don't know so I think that the documentation that came out in direct was really really on fire uh, when it first came out cross-examination tempered that a bit and then redirect really fell flat so we shall see uh, how the jury decides that particular bit of evidence now the second person that came on the stand is probably the smartest guy uh, involved in this Theranos trial, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. The guy's name is Doctor. Sh- the gentleman's name is Doctor. Shane Weber. He was he was Pfizer's director of diagnostics from 2008 until 2014. His testimony was that he was the one tasked in order to evaluate Theranos to see if they could have a partnership with his company, Pfizer, back in 2008. His testimony was that he reviewed the documentation provided to Pfizer by Theranos. There were some studies, there was some patient information also provided, and he said within about an hour of conversation with Elizabeth Holmes, he determined that this was not a good bet for Pfizer and walked away from the platform. He even went as far as to say with his telephone conference with Elizabeth Holmes, it lasted about an hour, that she was somehow deflective uh, of the questions he was asking her. So he made a decision that, you know, these answers aren't good. I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm out. Not a big deal. But I'll tell you what is a big deal. A year later, this exact same study that was provided to Pfizer shows up at the headquarters of Walgreens. The difference is this time the study doesn't just have the information that Theranos provided to Pfizer. It has Pfizer's logo on the actual document. The presumption being that Pfizer has somehow approved the findings inside of the report. Uh, Well, that was in fact false, and Mr. Weber, Dr. Weber, I should say testified clearly that he felt that the findings in the report were unfounded and he could not support them. So really a crushing blow, I think, uh, for Elizabeth Holmes, specifically when she has a direct conversation with the person evaluating the documentation from Pfizer who tells her they're out, and then a year later, the exact same report with Pfizer's logo shows up at Walgreens headquarters. I think that's gonna hurt a lot. All right, person number three, I think the most interesting person that has testified up to now, his name is Brian Tolbert. He is an investment guy, real estate technically guy, from Texas. And he and his firm had invested about $2 million initially into Theranos when it first came on board. And at some point, they decided to invest an additional $5 million in the company. But before they did this, they wanted to talk to Elizabeth Holmes. And... During this conversation, Mr. Tolbert was wise enough to record the conversation between Elizabeth Holmes and his company. But before we get into that, let's talk about the legality of recording something uh, without putting the other party on notice. There are two different laws. Uh, In some states, there is no permission necessary. In other words, I can record you if I'm talking to you. I don't have to tell you that there's a recording and I'm allowed to do that. Some states have a requirement that the person being recorded know that the recording is happening, which is why sometimes when you get uh, on the phone with customer service, it'll say, this call is being recorded for quality control purposes. That's a notice requirement that a lot of states have. Texas happens to be a single party notice state, which means as long as one party in the conversation consents the recording, that's all that's needed. So what happens? The jury gets to hear Elizabeth Holmes in The Voice. Uh, she apparently takes this phone call and does it in that very deep voice that uh, she's famous for and tells the investors this. Number one, she says that Rupert Murdoch is going to be a, a, a big investor. So she kind of talks about his test results and how when he visited the company, you know, he had uh, gone through the process. The second thing that she says on this video, apparently, is that, that Theranos is working on a deal with the military. Now, A couple weeks back, General Mattis did testify that the military had considered, at least he was pushing the military to consider using the Edison machine in combat theater because, you know, again, one pinprick of blood, you take the sample, you can find out what's going on with literally anybody within a matter of a few hours. Um, What comes to fruition, though, is that when Theranos did some trials with the military in the desert, they found out that the machine really wasn't viable uh, somewhere between 70 uh, and outside of 78 to 82 degrees Fahrenheit because the the components inside of Edison would overheat because it didn't have any internal cooling capabilities. In addition, the government hadn't considered using the Theranos machine in a military application because... Well, there was no FDA approval for it yet, so they weren't ready to be able to do it. So again, statements coming out of Elizabeth Holmes' mouth in that baritone voice on audio recording. The jury got to hear it for the first time. And now the big deal, uh, the big event of the week. Juror number three is uh, excused. So here's how this plays out. Apparently Friday morning, before the testimony began, the judge had received an email from one of the jurors indicating that another juror didn't seem like she was paying attention because she was working on some sort of crossword puzzle, Sudoku, whatever the case may be. The judge brought the, uh, the, the lawyers for both the prosecution and the defense into chambers and had a discussion about this. They brought in the juror and asked her if she was in fact playing Sudoku during testimony. Her answer was, yes. In fact, she told the judge that she's fidgety, and when she's at home and she's watching TV, she'll you know, knit or do something to keep her hands occupied, even though she's still paying attention to what's going on on TV, and in this case, over the past 7 to 10 days, she had been doing Sudoku puzzles during the testimony that was being given in front of the jury. Obviously, the the reality is she wasn't paying attention. She was doing something else. Could she have missed something? Absolutely. Could she have been correct in everything that was said she absorbed? Of course. But at this point, the the lawyers from both sides decided they weren't going to take that chance. The judge did release her, which leaves us now with a very different makeup of a jury. We now have eight men and four women with two alternate jurors are remaining in a trial that's supposed to last potentially into the middle of December, which is, let's just say, at least five weeks you know, away. So what do you think? Do you think we're going to make it? If we lose a juror a week uh, you know, or a juror every couple of weeks, we only have two more alternates to go. If we lose two more jurors, there are no more alternates. If we lose a third juror after the alternates are gone, you know, that's a mistrial. There's not enough jurors to continue going forward. So That being the case, thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed the video, give me a thumbs up. If you're liking the series, please subscribe to our channel. And again, always leave me questions, comments below. That way I know exactly what you're interested in. I can try to answer those questions for you. So you let me know this time. Do you think we're going to make it through another month and a half of trial? Or do you think that this case is heading for a mistrial? Talk to you soon. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.